I'm Lige Morgan. I'm Kohana Wilson. And, and this, this is Straight, Straight Ahead. Welcome to Straight Ahead, a podcast about animation, illustration, and everything in between. Join us as we interview contemporary animators, talk about our favorite films, and delve into the history of the medium. I'm Kana Wilson, I use they them pronouns, and I'm an animator living in New York City. I came here for school, but was born and raised in Hong Kong, and I'm half Japanese and English. Right now, I'm a senior studying illustration and philosophy, but I'm focused mostly on animation and making short films and music videos. I adore watching and making hand-drawn animations, and have lately mainly been working in that medium, but I also love working with Flash or Animate a bunch. I love putting characters that look like myself and people in my life in absurd situations in my animated work, and I love the task of figuring out how objects I'm familiar with in my own life move when I'm drawing their motions by hand and exaggerating them. We love it. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my name's Laj Morgan. I'm an animator, illustrator, and game designer living in New York City. I'm originally from the Bay Area in California, but I've been living on the East Coast for about the past six years. I recently graduated from Parsons School of Design with a BFA in illustration and focus in animation, but also explored printmaking and game design during my time there. As for the things I make, I love to work in mixed mediums, so my work often combines 2D and 3D images. I like making characters that almost look like like they're in pain because of their cuteness. (laughs) So I guess with all that taken care of, let's jump right into it. Perfect. Um, For our first interview, we were incredibly lucky to get one of my personal favorite artists and someone who's been a massive inspiration to me. I was fortunate enough to take some of her classes during my time at Parsons and couldn't be more excited to be speaking with her again today. Lale, would you mind introducing yourself? Uh, my name is Lale Westman, and I'm a cartoonist and an animator, mainly a cartoonist these days. Uh, that's just what's happening. And I teach at Parsons in the illustration department. And what else? Uh, I teach animation. Yeah, what else is going on? Yeah, what else can sounds... I say? <laughs> that like sounds a, the, pretty good. The regular bio is usually like a list of accomplishments or whatever, and just rattle off. Oh, well, um, we don't care about those. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> no. But I make I make comic books mostly. But I I I find that uh, even if I'm not animating, the comic books are definitely um, drawing from animation, for sure. Well, yeah, that's perfect. We actually definitely have a question um, about that later on. Yeah. Uh, but I guess if we could just start, if you'd mind telling us like a little bit about your background and some of the themes throughout your work. Yeah. Okay. So background is is also comics, but uh, again, comics inspired by animation, by cartoons. Uh, loved watching uh, Disney's Fantasia, the first one, when I was little, like over and over again and uh, Looney Tunes and stuff, very very regular stuff that I think is sort of part of the like common um, consciousness at this point, like cultural consciousness. That stuff is just kind of seeped into everything now, like the kind of cartoon aesthetic and cartoon physics that are their own thing. 
Um, so yeah, I went to art school in Chicago at the School of the Art Institute and um, graduated with a BFA. You don't have to choose a major there. So I did uh, figure painting and uh, animation and I made a comic. Like my, my final projects were like a series of large figure paintings and, and portrait, like paintings I'd made of my friends in oils and then um, uh, an animated short and also a 40 page comic book, I think that was like, a, but it was awesome. Um, so it was more discipline based than like actually choosing a specific major or minor or anything? Yeah, there was no, yeah. That's how, I don't know how it is now, uh, but that's how it was at the time. And they also didn't have um, a comic book like curriculum necessarily. There was like one course at the time, it was actually a fibers course. Uh, so I, t I don't have no interest in, I'd had no interest in fibers. I still don't really, I think it's cool, but it was a fibers comics course where you screen printed and you could do comics because the person teaching it had an interest in comics. So it was just like a, like any kind of way to make comics in art school. And that was the way. And then this guy, Jeremy Tinder, who, uh, he's a cartoonist. He was teaching and I had him as a independent advisor. And I was just like, I just want to make this big comic book. He was like, great. The whole school is very flexible. And, and it worked for me because I don't like structures and being told what to do. I generally know what I want to do. I, I de thinking of it now, I definitely could have benefited from a certain certain structural curriculum with regards to animation and stuff. I, you know, fig it's like I went to school, but I was still figuring everything out on my own. No, that's not, that's not fair. It's a lot of great teachers there. I'm rambling, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, what was, uh, I went, what was I went your to... comic about? What's my comic about? The oh, comic that you that the you forty, 40 page. page. It was it was it was there was no words, and it was uh, inspired, I think, by like Mobius comics. So there a lot of stippling and uh, hatch marks, and very like mythic and sci-fi. Um, and there was this character, so it was called, Ti I think, I think that's the comic, it was called Titus and the Cyber Sun, and Titus was this nude man with like a Roman helmet on who was riding this weird vehicle, and he runs out of these like vegetable gourds that fuel the vehicle, and so has to venture into this forest to try to find something to like continue his journey, and he uh, stumbles upon this like huge oh actually maybe just one at first but there's this this huge uh, group of women and he's like watching them and one of them kind of sees him and is like freaked out maybe knocks him out then he's he wakes up he like watches them again uh my teacher at the time krista donner asked me like why why is the so why is the protagonist a man i'm just curious and I was like, oh, I, I don't know. And it was sort of like out of default because all the comics I had read, the protagonist was a man. And it was like the best question ever. So I was just like, oh yeah, it doesn't have to be a man. I'll, I'll like, and I was really interested in like the women, like that, that was me. Like they were just like, ah, like fighting <laughs> each other for no reason. It was just like these like wild, rough people. So Titus kind of dies out of a mishap in this like alien spaceship like he just trips and falls into the like nuclear power plant or something <laughs> in the spaceship 
all this stuff happens, but uh, at the end, one of the women picks up the helmet, and she gets on the vehicle, and she, like, rides away with all the stuff. It um, sounds epic. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> and it but, also, it sounds a lot like Flash Gun, but was that, like, oh, the yeah, animated right, so film? Flash, Flash Gun I made, maybe, maybe it might have been, like, I started Titus in one class in one year, and then I finished it for my final or something. I don't remember. Uh, and Flesh Gun was a comic. I don't remember if I made that for a comics class. I might have made that. I think I did. I made that for a comics class, and then I had an animation course, and I was like, I have this comic book. I'd like to turn this into an animation. So that's so Flesh Gun was a comic first. Yeah, definitely like similar thing, like these primitive cave women or cave people. But yeah. I think I still identify with that, although I do feel more domesticated recently. But yeah, I, I'm on record several times saying that like I, I fantasize about being nude and, and destroying things without consequence. <laughs> I don't know, that's like, it's very adolescent uh, energy there. Um, I think we all have that desire. I yeah, I, maybe, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's like the total freedom but but I don't feel as destructive, or may, I do, but it's I'm like no, that's bad. <laughs> that's <not good. laughs> but um, I do think that those like those two things that I made, I'm in a way little bit. I'm kind of making the same thing again and again, or or comment on that same thing. I think that the the thread, the common thread in all of my work is this fascination with physicality. Uh, and the the lived experience, like the the physical aspect of life. I'm not I'm not really. I mean, I can be poetic, but it's still kind of geared around that. I'm not like really into dialogue. I'm not making romance comics. I would love to, but it's definitely this physicality thing. And I love making the visual equivalent of explosions or something, uh, <laughs> even if it's not an explosion. Just like super visually stimulating exciting stuff not all the time i don't know that that's changing too now so so like thematically a lot of your still work and comic work and animated work share all of that in common um are there ways that like technically your still work and your animated work share overlaps like do you find yourself sort of using the same techniques or like how what's the relationship between those two things like for you i'm I mean, i'm always drawing uh there's definitely like a shared language i love uh i think anyone who sees like animated smears you know it's like peeking behind the the curtain and it's so exciting and comics imagery has that as well comics imagery has its own version of animated smears I would love. I'm sure some some comics head knows like which which came first or what was like the earliest depiction of that. I was actually I was in Siberia giving a like a workshop on depicting movement uh, in comics, and I was just sort of like riffing. And I remember somebody there. I think it was like these young kids. They they had gotten a real like education on this, and they had they knew like who had done these things first and what they were and how and you know there's actually names for all these things i'm just like unfortunately ignorant i should i should look it up but there, there's names for um these symbols of of comics language that we take for granted um but yeah so like the smear 
the multiple, um, all of this like shorthand symbol stuff that can be used to depict stuff that you would think has has no chance of being portrayed on the two-dimensional uh, page, but it does and it comes across very clearly and it's like a totally new and different thing from, from like photography, for example. Uh, I guess you could do it in photography too, but it wouldn't, it, you know, it's not you the same. You can, so. but then like smears are so just inherently fun and like in animation, they're also often the thing that like is just there and it's kind of invisible. Like the whole point is that it's rushed over and is implying movement. I feel like they're mostly used to represent motion blur that would be, you know, taken with a camera, you know, in a video. Or like right. if someone's running across a frame really quickly, like you take a still frame of that video and it actually is kind of a smear in and of itself. Um, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget about that. Yeah, like the roots of that. It didn't it didn't just spontaneously appear. But I I always I think you remember in class, I'm always like, okay, I'm good. You see how my hand is blurring like this? Like I always think that there's there's also the the perceived phenomena that's the root. Oh, of definitely. Symbols, Absolutely. You know? And then, and then there's all the crazy stuff where, like, uh, not only like visual perceived phenomena, but the the stuff that is felt, like uh, depictions of wind and breeze, like the the motion lines in comics and in animation, and how like if you move your body really quickly, you feel the air moving, you feel that current. So it makes sense that someone would just like put a line there because you're like, there's something there. I don't know what it like. I feel it, you know. Absolutely. So you didn't used to like to refer to yourself as an illustrator or your work as illustration. And I'm wondering why that is. So originally I would, I had been uh, convinced and brainwashed by, by the non-existent hierarchy of like fine art versus low art or fine art versus illustration, which is, you know, utterly ridiculous. Um, I, I won't even get into that because that, you know, the, the money laundering scheme and the economic hierarchies and so whatever, you know, I, art can come from anywhere. Um, obviously, I think I always knew that. No, but, it, but there was something about like this idea that uh, illustration is for advertising or that illustration has to be very clear and very direct um, versus any kind of like subtlety or what you could also call like vagueness. The other part of that though, is that I don't think that I, I don't think I am an illustrator. Um, I think I make drawings that could be considered illustration, but there's, there's something about my creative expression, which is so it's very deeply linked to like my my person or almost like my this is going to sound goofy but like my my spiritual output or something so it but I've I've talked to other people about this like if it can feel really bad for me to do like editorial um, illustration if I'm not 100% into the article or the content or like I've done it and the the work I produce is horrible because, and it's painful to do it because I just really don't want to do it. And it, it kind of feels like using your your magic power or your your superpower for not not for bad, but for something that's like 
taking out the trash or something. You know, it's sort of like if you can get those jobs, it's great. They pay. They often pay well. I will always do it, but I don't seek it out. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd much rather like hang drywall or help a buddy pour concrete or whatever for money than do editorial illustration. I'm kicking myself in the, the mouth here now. <laughs> foot in the mouth kicking myself at the same time yeah but um they they kind of want to commodify everything so if if they have an article on trees they're like oh we'll get that person that always paints trees in that certain way you know and we'll know what we're getting and that it's that kind of thing and i'm i'm i never if i sit down to draw something i don't know what's going to come out and i almost have no control over it if I try to control, it doesn't come out that well. So that that's that kind of thing, I guess. That resonates and I think makes a lot of sense as in this call with graduate of illustration, student of illustration and professor of illustration, like all of the sort of economics of illustration and how the industry works are so like just constantly peddled. And it's really hard to feel like sometimes that like, you can generate like your own intuitive art within that, because you know art directors are looking for very specific types of people who do like sorts of predictable work. I mean, um, some people are brilliant at it. No, though. Totally. Like I, I might just I'm just not an illustrator. I'm not a practiced at it. I probably have no maybe I have no place teaching illustration. That's that's a, <laughs> like I oftentimes I oftentimes thank God you feel, do. I feel that Parsons often that I am like a, I am a, I'm an artist teaching at a design school and I'm aware of design principles and everything. So like I can do the job, but I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah, that I, I'm not an illustrator. They're, they're like, Michael DeForge is a brilliant uh, illustrator, for example. Um, Jillian Tamaki is a brilliant illustrator. There's people that yes. just like, they work harder and longer than I do and they're better than I am that's that's what it boils down to I got I got too many hobbies and too many interests and not enough time and those people have managed to like devote themselves to a practice and a discipline that makes them so damn good that they can respond to a prompt and they can still make it within their own world and from their own voice and and I I hope not I would have to ask them directly right but uh I don't think that they feel uh, limited. I think for them it's like a challenge and they just like beat the hell out of it. I just have my like own lightning that I can kind of hold on to and channel, but I don't have much control. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe 30 years from now if I'm, I don't know. Right. I might, I might switch careers entirely. To be like really into graphic novels and like generate all of these really beautiful still images and to also be an animator and a professor and a teacher and all of these things is also in its own way really wonderful. Um, to go to a slightly different topic, I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about whatever the last animated project that you worked on was. <laughs> I don't, I'm just kind of, like, I'm just dipping my toes into too many things right now, probably. Um, but the, like, kind of poking around in Blender when quarantine started was super exciting because it seems like the, but the potential of that program is, like, limitless. And they, I remember trying to use it early on years ago, and it was, the interface was, like, really difficult to navigate, and they cleaned it up so 
well. They've made um, it a lot more accessible, I think. It's yeah. so awesome. I remember like opening the new version and I was immediately like, oh yes, like they, they did it. Like they fixed it. Um, <laughs> instead of all the like hidden windows everywhere and all the, all the tabs used to be gray and same. It was just yeah, you to used see. to have to know where everything was hiding away to be able yeah. to, you know, even make like a cube. Basically. Yeah, it was like a, like a crazy cabinet of drawers. But so kind of messing around with that and kind of dreaming about uh, making an animation in Blender or combining uh, 2D elements with 3D elements. Um, there's that, uh, that animator Rahman Jafari and that that's someone that you can tell like they're making the work because they're just like I have to do this like they're not you you can't you can't pay someone to make that alone like the the amount of time and the the detail and the that lushness is like yeah I so know it's awesome. a passion that comes it's through for gorgeous. sure yeah yeah so inspiring and exciting animation projects on fit yeah no maybe when i i have a lot of a lot of ideas but this these this book has to get done and then there's another large book that's also been on hold for some years that also has to get done <laughs> so, so i guess um if we could shift more toward like uh the pandemic side of things um oh yeah okay <laughs> how how has all of this altered work for you I've always I've always worked out of like a room and wherever I'm living or in the room I'm living in. Uh, it was very strange for me to um, change from change to not having my bedroom in the same room as my work desk, uh, and I missed that. That kind of like monastic existence is really nice. You just like roll out of bed and shuffle over to the desk, and you're like, get into it. I I missed that a lot. That's why I'm gonna have a couch in my new studio. If I want, I can just pass out there and wake up and continue. Um, yeah, so not not much change there. It did have like at, in the beginning of the of quarantine, I felt like huge weight lifted off me. Like there was all these festivals I was supposed to go to, which are really fun, of course. But I was like suddenly like free of all of these uh, deadlines, responsibilities, things like that. So I was, I was pretty stressed. I think everybody, a lot of people were really, really stressed at the beginning of, and, and it was just like a relief, like, oh, the machine is stopping for a second. We can catch my breath. Um, and then it stayed stopped. Then it stayed stopped. So yeah, <laughs> initially I was very, very productive. And then and then it kind of uh, petered out because I, I just got so bored and it was like not much stimulus. Every time it snows now, I'm, I'm really grateful because the, the snow is like a reason to go outside, a reason to move, be active. And it's like a, a change of scenery in a way, <laughs> you know, like things look different when it snows. Uh, and then there's like the, the emotional, uh, psychological toll of, of everything that's been happening, which is again, like not, not only like testing my faith in this existence or, you know, faith in humanity is, not much anyways, but also like um, faith in my creative output. Uh, like what what is this for, you know? Uh, the, the, yeah, coming to the terms that like to to even at, attempt to create something beautiful is, is a worthwhile activity. And, you know, it doesn't, 
it's it's hard to justify something that is so pleasurable sometimes when when things seem like they're such a mess you know and you're it's like tough, would, yeah would yeah. i be helping more if i was out in the streets burning shit down <laughs> i don't i don't know <laughs> i mean yeah it can feel very self-indulgent at times yeah. I, I feel like yeah we did yeah. go on we went to a hell of a lot of protests over the summer to the point of exhaustion and that but that's similar too where you're like is this is this really having an effect is this uh anyways yeah it's 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 a bit dark yeah i mean creating <laughs> having being in a profession where like it's your job to make beautiful things in very ugly times is just hard like for every visual artist for every musician, for every playwright that I know, people are really struggling to, you know, just figure out how to do that. Sort of on that, are there, given all of this and like all of this conversation about like how hard it's been sometimes to sort of overcome that mental block and feeling sort of straddled between these two things, do you feel like what things for you are just fun to draw or make or it doesn't even have to be like related to things that you like illustrate or animate but are there things that like you feel really gratified by just making and having right now working on the house is is gratifying <laughs> that that's um and then i started messing around with like little pieces of scrap wood left over from like framing out walls and stuff and i made a weird uh sculpture thing and then painted that so that's something i've always wanted to do so uh yeah more sculpture stuff is interesting i've considered getting like a dremel tool and some wood carving chisels but i'm not yes. sure <laughs> clay stuff yeah so th things that are not drawing actually um because it's like less because drawing feels like work because of these other pro i don't know but that, that that like changes every week um yeah, do, doing doing mediums which are not like my main medium, whatever uh, that that can feel really fun and freeing and like exciting again and, and low pressure. Uh, I started, I made some like Christmas cards for friends, so that was like drawing for somebody else and giving it away, and that that feels really nice. Um, same thing with the, the the sculpture is like a gift. I still I'm very very close to being finished. It got like overly ambitious. But um, yeah, like trying trying to practicing making art for art's sake, which it, I feel like it always is, but it's always usually also in service to like a festival deadline or something or publishing right. the work. Just making original work to give away is is really like exciting. And I, I, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't feel like I had time for that before or something, or it wasn't now it feels like a priority because you don't get to see these people and you're like, I want them to know that I love them uh, and I care about them. So that seems like a, you know, worthwhile effort that that's also like energizing thinking of it that way. I made, I made a music video, <laughs> music video with, with my girlfriend for our friend for her birthday as a surprise. That was really funny oh. and fun also. Yeah, and we had, yeah, that was like an idea. We had a friend over, we were teaching her how to do drywall. And I was like, I didn't do it. I gotta get the, I wanna do like a stop motion 
kung fu drywall video, you know, where we just like are cutting it so it looks <laughs> like there's like really cool stuff. Kind of like a whoa, like hits the piece and it like cuts perfectly and then like glows up onto the wall perfectly. But there wasn't there wasn't time or energy. I, I still might do it. <laughs> One shot. Do you still have the drywall? Yeah, we still got we put up ceilings, but we still have uh, a few walls to do, and then, got and then the plastering happens. You can make it happen. Yeah, I want to see it now. The the drywall. Sheetrock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I need to motion. see this video. Oh, the stop motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The music video is horrible, but it's, I did make like a little, like a little After Effects uh, collage GIF of my friend. I like took a bunch of photos of her from the internet of her face from different angles and then so like animated those so they're like going like that and then put it on like a robot tank with like muscle arms and stuff easy quick stuff you know <laughs> i man after effects um okay i think one of our last questions is as crazy as last year was um you put out a book with perfectly acceptable um and I'm just wondering what the process of releasing Grip one and two, and then that as a collection was like. The process, um, I think, I think Grip one and two each took a year, among all the other stuff that I I do and was doing, and then I think the the collection took another year to come out, but I don't know. I think I'm maybe no less than a year after, I guess. Um, Again, like reformatting and then deciding if I wanted to add any pages. At the the size was different. Uh, making a new cover. So uh, was it like a lot of work reformatting the comics you'd already done for this new? Yes, it was not yeah. as bad. This is much worse. It's a longer. Of what you're doing now? Do. Yes, what I'm doing now is much much worse. What I'm doing now is also like. Uh, single color printed comics that I'm turning into three color comics or they'll be print like just all kinds of blah but um yeah and then like I wrote an introduction for the the collected grip and then decided not to put it in there um <laughs> so like naturally <laughs> yeah stuff like that that that's yeah that, that's about that yeah I guess to close I, I would like to say one before about yeah. about like creative work during the pandemic and I've I've not been so successful with that but there are people who've been so successful uh, simply because they they kind of work in making uh, work about their lived experience day to day and like Alex Graham's comic uh, Dog Biscuits was so oh, amazing. Simon Hanselman's comic was insane. Crisis Zone. Um, yeah. Ben Mara started a weird comic too. Uh, that's like set in the 70s and is freaky and very loose. A lot of cartoonists more dedicated than I have been making really good work throughout the pandemic about living through the pandemic. Uh, yeah. So shout outs to them. And yes. I, I really admire that. And it, so I'm really happy that somebody is able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be the documentation that like a hundred years down the line when people ask like, what art was being generated during the, the 2020 
like COVID pandemic, during, all of these comics are gonna surface. During the beginning of the collapse of the American <laughs> Empire. And then, I mean, hun- yeah, hundred years, like, whoa, I can't even. I know. I'm, I'm just it's very nuts. cynical. But. Any other like animators or illustrators that you're really enjoying right now or just influences in general? Yeah, I made a list. That was, Ooh, that was just because I was, that's that's the question that I always like blank if I at if off the top of my head. But the yeah, it's like just, when someone just, asks you what your favorite movie is and then you can't think of any movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't think of any movie. Yeah, you're like no no movie. I've never seen a movie. Um, my like f- influence influential. Let's say like Bruce Bickford, Adam K. Beckett. Uh, the Fleischer Studio animations, like Grip, is is actually I I realized recently it's heavily inspired by these like crazy cartoon physics of like turning things into other things and like this kind of rubberiness of materials transforming that's like from Popeye and stuff like it's that's the basis totally. of that kind of Sally Crookshank and then more recently Ramon Jafari like I said Irma Fiend. Irma Fiend also goes by Sweaty Eddie, also does like a drag show, just like amazing, cool stop motion uh, with like 2D digital stuff, really fun. Oh yeah, Jaron Braxton, who made some really cool 3D work. Um, Matt Thurber and his new oh. stuff is really beautiful, They're like pencil animations. Uh, I don't know how to say his name, Che Su Chung, who's like, like dude, dude, Chung. dude Chung on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I was like stuck at one point with this other book and then I watched one of his animations and it just like unstuck me. I was like, oh yeah, like that's what I love it about drawing. Um, uh, Amy Lockhart and Simeon Kondev who made that that super deluxe uh, hair baby animation. I was doing some more stuff now. I just love the way he like morphs between shots and stuff. R.I.P. Super Deluxe. Yeah. And then Amanda Bonayuto, who works at Parsons. Who's a legend. Work, work is just like beautiful and amazing. Every time I watch it, Gorgeous. I get excited about drawing. So that's a very long list. That's what I came up with when I said time to think about. It's a brilliant list. It's <laughs> all good Couldn't people. be more perfect. <laughs> There's more for sure, you know, but yeah. Oh my oh. goodness. Well, thank you. I, uh, that was totally perfect thanks so much lale thank you guys it's thank cool you that you're doing out. something <laughs> we're doing trying that's cool you're doing a podcast that's fun all right we're gonna take a short break but we'll be right back after this sound designer for animation and games. He founded a sound studio last year called Studio Moonbird with two other sound friends to dive deeper into experimental sound design for animation and games. He also did the sound for I Want to Be the Ocean, 
which is a favorite film of Elijah Nye's um, by Rahman Jafari that was released earlier this year. I Want to Be the Ocean is featured in a playlist that we made on Vimeo with some of our favorite animations that got released this last year, such as Lizard Ladder, Dumbo Gets a Tattoo, and Black Sheep Boy, which are all super exciting films, and if you have a chance, I definitely recommend checking them out. The link to that can be found in the description for this episode, or alternatively, go to vimeo.com slash channels slash straightahead1. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Straight Ahead.